0: Hi, everyone. Welcome. Uh, I'm George Ruder. That's Ben Allen. We are here at Zion Fellowship in Canandaigua, New York. We are a life-giving local church. On this special episode, we're going to talk about Bible literacy, what it is, and why we care about it. Welcome back to the Bible Literacy Podcast at Zion Fellowship. I'm George. That's Tom. That's Ben. That's Jerry. For teachers of the Word of God who happen to go to church at Zion Fellowship in beautiful downtown Canandaigua. Um, Welcome to the table, gentlemen. Welcome to the table. Good to be Um, here. um, We'll talk a little bit about how we came to the table. so briefly. So I'm a teacher by trade. I teach math by trade. Uh, But since I was saved, I've been teaching mostly teenagers and young adults the scripture. No formal training on any of that. So everything that you get from me today is just from my experience loving Jesus. That's all I've got. Uh, What's your training?
1: Uh, So... My <coughs> name's Benjamin Allen, as, as George said. Um, I, I didn't say your last name. I'm a deacon at Zion, and no, no. my training is I love books, and I Ooh. read read a lot of books. You do. do. Um, and I also am a big fan of Bible software, mm. um, and I probably spend way too much money on it. But that's one of my things that I like to do, so, Ooh. yeah. And you teach a Bible study at our yes, church. Yes, sorry. And I also teach a Bible study at our church. We're almost done with the Gospel of Mark, so... Sweet.
0: Let's talk about what brings you to the table, Jerry.
2: Jerry Fish, uh, relatively new to Zion, been coming here about a year. Uh, have a background in seminary and Bible study and, and such. In fact, my master's is in, is in theological studies. Sweet. Um, but a, a very diverse background, and there, we, we can get into some of the details there, but uh, it's, it's interesting studying the Bible from many different perspectives. Um, looking at it from w- the way different denominations look at it, looking at it from um, different doctrinal or dogmatic standpoints. We were talking about being too dogmatic about how you study, and I'm sure that'll come up as we as we talk today. Sure. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's it's enjoyable, and you can you can dive in, you can go deep, you can just read it for the enjoyment of it. Uh, but we'll be we'll be getting into all that. Looking forward to it. Appreciate. Thanks for letting me be here.
3: Oh, you're welcome. Tom, talk about what brings you to the table. Hey, uh, well, first of all, I am a. Uh, basically I went to Bible school when I was uh, back in Michigan Hebrew Bible School Michigan four-year program uh, you know and so I did that and then other than that I'm a teacher I do teach I teach uh, computer aided drafting uh, I've taught high school college level I taught up in Canada I've taught uh, soldiers and prisoners and all over the place so I'm a teacher that's what I do uh, as far as the word I love the word and uh, most of what I've got was from Bible school but also just being in very rigorous places where we'd really dissect the word and A lot of iron sharpening iron, going back and forth with people and talking and so forth. And uh, that's what it's been, Then I've continued that by being around uh, people smarter than me.
0: (laughs) It helps, doesn't it? Yes, it does. It helps. (laughs) You can tell a lot about a person by who they surround themselves with. Person, company exception. (laughs) Cool. So, this is episode two of Bible Literacy. So we're looking to handle, uh, uh, Ben made up five questions for us to consider. We'll consider all five, and then the time will run out. Uh, so let's start with the easy one. What does Bible study look like for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, so there's a lot of different ways that we could probably uh, dissect the question. I think probably each one of us are going to have our own sort of perspectives. But I guess from the logical like side of my brain, I like to kind of break things down into step-by-step things. I don't know if anyone wants to kind of uh, add add their two cents, but basically I have a, uh, you know, a step of observation. So what is uh, going on in a text? who is speaking, who is being spoken to, when is this taking place, okay? So basic kind of data gathering information at this point. second step, interpretation, and that's a whole other set of processes, but there's there's that, the how, how this is happening, why this is happening in the text, and then there's correlation. How often does this happen within Scripture? Is this something that, like the Trinity, is uh, pervasive in all of scripture, that is a teaching that is so profound that it is being held up, the deity of Christ being held up as something that should be taught, should be kind of correlative of all of scripture. And then finally, the application, the so what of scripture it doesn't have any relevance for us today. So that's the basic approach. Here's the nuts and bolts, and I'm really curious what other people are cur- uh, going to add to it. But that's the what I think Bible study looks like, and I, I don't know if any people took it differently, but, yeah. Well, get a little bit practical with me before we, before yeah. we throw other, other voices in. it
0: really practical. You sit down to open up the Bible and, and read a particular passage sure. or a particular book or whatever. Mm-hmm. You're doing all of those things yeah. every time you sit down to study the Scripture. Absolutely, yeah.
1: Okay. Okay. How long does that take you to, to work with a chapter of Scripture? <clears throat> So I would say uh, so for my mark class, um, and and this is a slightly different because it's not just study, but it's now you know for pedi- pedi- pedagogical reasons, yeah, teaching reasons, you're getting ready to teach. Um, that usually is eight to ten hours per week on one chapter. Okay. So maybe more, maybe less, but I would I'm sure probably people who are better at it than I am probably could do it a little bit faster. Yeah, it comes with uh, repetition. Yeah, but um, yeah, that's. Usually, what I'm what I'm spending mm-hmm. in that time frame, but I don't know what other people's experience are with that. But
2: I think it's like you said; it depends why you're doing it, right? Yeah. You're preparing to teach someone. You need to dive deep, right? Sometimes, and, and preparing sermons, uh, being a pastor for 16 years, I prepare a lot of sermons. Mm-hmm. Same thing, right? You you, you want to dive deep. You want to get the background. You want to get the context. You want to know the characters, uh, and how it all fits together. Mm-hmm. But there's also just that time when you just want to read it, and enjoy it. I think that's that's a, a big key too just just read it for what it is let god speak to you and and just not not go to that academic level but to just enjoy the word and listen to what god has to say and the fact that he, he's loving us in this way this is a this is a letter from god to us it's his story history uh, and, and sometimes you need to just take it for that mm. and and let god take it different directions right i don't, I don't I don't always want to see, I always want to compare what others have said. We do want to see what the commentaries say. We do want mm-hmm. to uh, see what others, how others have translated difficult passages. Yep. But there's also sometimes we just need to let God tell us what to, what he's doing. Uh, mm-hmm. Let it be that dynamic thing. The, the, the word is living and dynamic, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it says that in scripture, and scripture will translate and, and correlate itself, as, as Ben said. Uh, but that's, you know, Yes, there is a time for a scholarly view, and I think there's a time for just enjoying it for what it is.
0: That's the difference between a devotional read, correct, and a, and a read where you're trying to study to go deep. Yes, um, in in the morning when you wake up at five in the morning to, to have that quiet time with God. That's a, I need the scripture to speak to me and get my day going, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then and there are other times when we want to study and go, yeah. go deeper. Maybe Absolutely. 5 o'clock is Absolutely. your study time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if 5 o'clock is your study time, God bless you. <laughs> right? Like, it just is. What does Bible study look like for you?
3: Well, you know, the thing is, when you talk about that, Bible study, when you look at it, it is is certainly in contrast to devotional reading. You know, you're you're going into it, you want to get more out of it, you want to see what is this text really saying, what can I pull out of it. And one of the biggest things that I think is so important is to kind of like approach it objectively and fresh, if you can. Mm -hmm. Because those of us who've been in the faith for some time have read these same texts many, many, many times. What happens is... I think one of the battles that when you get into Bible study is kind of just pulling away from all of what you know as best as you can and approaching it objectively. What did that how did that hit the people who first read it? When you first heard this, you know, it's just like, whoa. I mean I remember as a young believer, you know, when I'd read these different things, just like, whoa, it would take your breath away, some things, because I'd never seen it, I didn't know what I was getting into, and it was like bang. And and I do think there is a place where as we study the Word, there is a place where we can't let that sense of wonder, so to speak, elude us. We need to, mm-hmm, I think, mm-hmm. somehow, if we're ne- just kind of reading it by rote, if we're just kind of going through it, you know, emotionless, then, then you know, there is a place for rigor, for sure. But there's also places like, you know, you know, asking the Spirit to also come in and instruct as you're doing this whole thing. The two have to come together. That's probably mm-hmm, the biggest mm-hmm. thing I would say. Because there are hidden meanings, right? There are deeper Absolute meanings. Legs. yeah.
2: Uh, we were talking about Psalm 23, right? Mm-hmm. Talking about God's rod and staff being a comfort in mm-hmm. times of desperation. Yeah. Well, you can read through that, but if you don't realize there's actually different words, you would know this, Ben. There are different words used for rod and staff. Mm-hmm. One is for discipline, and one is for guidance. Well, now Psalm 23 takes on a whole new meaning. We are getting yeah. this wonder out of God's discipline yes. and His guidance, yes. right? It, it just you take it that level deeper. Mm-hmm. Instead of just hearing what you always hear at a funeral, right? When yeah. That, when that's actually not about death at all, it's about life. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> something I think
1: extremely practical, I think, when we approach Bible study is it, it's this phrase called charting the book, mm-hmm. where we're just able to take uh, a book of the Bible, so, You know, whether it be one of Paul's letters or even one of, you know, Psalms, Proverbs, it really doesn't you know, translate well into those, you know, wisdom-style books, but, like, if you take a letter of, of, uh, of, of the Bible, like, say, Paul's letter in Ephesians, we take it in chunks. Like, the NIV is fantastic for this. There's an introduction, there's this Ooh, section mm-hmm, about mm-hmm. A, a poetic kind of sort of prayer, and then there's a, a prayer of thanksgiving in this first chapter of Ephesians. Take out those chunks, and then writing kind of the main thesis idea of each section, all right and you do that throughout mm-hmm. the entire mm-hmm. book and it helps to kind of organize yep, the book for us it helps mm-hmm. to kind of chart the thought process mm-hmm. of the author and that's not even breaking open any sort of scholarly right, right. commentary or anything what like that it's just from an inductive mm-hmm. type of reasoning thing which is, i i think extremely practical for a lot of people um, mm-hmm. you know for, for people that want to get into that that's, that's one of kind of like the first things you can do it is and something
0: that any believer can do
1: on a, it, okay, I've never studied the Bible
0: before, but mm-hmm. I'm going to sit down and try to study. Right. I'm going to try to right. go one level up from mm-hmm. from devotional reading, which is yes. completely appropriate and has the place for has a place for every believer. But what if what do I want to do if I want to study a little bit deeper? Any person can do that. Here's a paragraph, what's the main idea of that paragraph, Mm -hmm. and why should somebody care about that? Mm -hmm. Uh, But what's the main idea? And then another paragraph, and what's the main, so you can start to see those ideas work together. Mm -hmm. And then you can know, okay, what's the overall flow of that letter that I'm reading, or that that book that I'm working through, or that story that
1: I see? that matters. It's an easy first step. Anybody can do it. And what you find is that Paul ends up being very theological in the first part of his books, and then very practical exhortation encouragement Mm -hmm. with his second part, right? Life application of his second part of his thing. And you can do that with authors, right? You could do that with Paul, do that with Paul's letters, do that with Peter, do that with John. I mean, that just helps us to better grasp who these authors are, mm-hmm. at least for, from from a little bit more. So I thought that was a, I think that's a helpful kind of first kind of. All right, how can I, you know, this feels extremely daunting. What's practical here? Mm-hmm. What can be what could be utilized? But what happens when? Uh, oh, go ahead, ask the question. What happens when there's a text that, you know, it's? It, are we always supposed to make the assumption that it's always kind of like the literal? What it says there, is mm-hmm. this the only meaning? Is this the only kind of face, common sense meaning? Is that, is that always the case? Or is there, how do we, what are the obstacles to, to meaning? I mean, what are, what are some things that are some challenges? Is meaning self-evident? Hmm. I think you brought up a great point there. It
2: is, uh, is it always literal? Is it exactly what I read or how I read it? Right. Um, that is so key. A friend in seminary once said, you can get yourself in a lot of trouble taking the Bible too literally. Hmm. <laughs> and, and, can. and once you dive into it, you realize you can, yeah. right? It's yeah. nice to say, yeah, it's literal and just take it as written, but wow, there, there are lots of places where that gets really tricky really quickly. Yeah, I Here. don't know how you do Revelation.
0: Though. Right, right. right? right. right.
2: right.
0: <laughs> there are lots of people who just want to, can I just open up the Bible and read it and do what it says? And I tell them, please do not always do that. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: There are times to do that. Yeah. Uh, love the you know, Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, yeah. and your neighbor is yourself. Please do arm? that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> if your arm offends you, cut it off. Please do not do that. Uh, but to the camera, how do you know? He knows talking uh, to the camera. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, no, but, but that's... Is meaning self evident? What we're really asking is can we just can't we just always open up the Bible, read it, and do what it says? And the answer is no, not always. Uh, And believers can learn with the help of the Holy Spirit and a community of learners to to guide what are the times where you can and what are the times where you can't.
3: Yeah, and this is where get it, this is where the two questions really tie in because what you the first question was like how do you what does Bible study look like and now we're looking at you know is meaning self evident can you just take a look at it and say well it says this that's it you know and any other meaning is verboten and and you look at something like on your father and mother okay you're supposed to do that now you could say well it really doesn't mean that but it does if you if there is a meaning that is there and is clear and it's on the surface then we take that okay we do take that and that's a place where. You know, even the Pharisees got in trouble with that because they kind of found a way around that one. you know? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And the thing mm-hmm. is, so there's, there's that whole thing, but um, but there's a lot of obstacles. A lot of it is our own prejudice. As you come into this whole thing, as you approach the word, and you have a certain way of looking at things. And one of the best examples would be, oh, gee, I don't know, maybe slavery. You know, mm-hmm. and how it was found somehow. <laughs> you know, for the for our friends, you know, south of the Mason Dixon line, you know that that was that was in there and that was actually mm-hmm. there. And then. And, you know, where, where do you go with that then? It's like, do we do we actually, uh, do you take that kind of a, a thing and do you just take whatever the word's saying and make it fit what your particular political bend is or what your particular um, societal bend or uh, socioeconomic Science, class is? You filter. know, to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, and yeah, that but that happens all the time. And this is it's where, nice. again, coming into this whole thing, the meaning can take on whatever we want it to be. You know, yep. the Nazis famously used scripture, you know, to defend what they were doing. So... This has to be defended against at all costs, you know. So meaning, you know, yeah, it's there's going to be de- definitely some things are going to be self-evident, but you have to look into it, and you have to kind of marinate in the whole of the Scripture to get the whole thing, too. That's a big part of it, too. Scripture interprets Scripture as you go through it. Exactly.
2: And that's what Ben was yeah. talking about, right, with the correlation, right? Scripture will not contradict itself. Yeah. Right? So if you read a verse that contradicts something else you've seen, mm-hmm. there's got to be a reconciliation there someplace. Yeah. yeah. There
0: it, is, it has helped me over the years to think about what the scripture would have meant to the first people who heard it. Uh, its That whole principle of of the first hearers. Mm -hmm. Um, When the first hearers heard the letter to the Galatians, what did they hear? What was their schema? What was their context? Uh, when When Mark's gospel was first spread in the Roman Empire, what did the Romans hear when they read that story, when they heard that story? Uh, because we live in 2022. This this podcast is being recorded in 2022, and we live in a time where we have our own schema, our own way of hearing things. But the first hearers didn't live when we live, and they had a, a whole different set of life and times. And I know we'll get into context later, and I've got more to say then. But meaning can be obscured when our schema doesn't match up with theirs when our way of understanding Mm -hmm. doesn't match up with theirs and we can start thinking things are true that are not Mm -hmm. Uh, so Mm -hmm. it helps to think about how those words would have landed with the first Mm -hmm. hearers that's huge that's
1: huge there was there was a a few things i wanted to write down because i i I do think that meaning is not self-evident and i think there's quite a few obstacles that are in the way of of, of being able to kind of ascertain this I think I was reading again sorry if I'm uh, if I reference a lot of books it's just because I love reading books and so forgive me but there's this book called the hermeneutical spiral that's dealing with this uh, tendency to want to have the hyperliteralism that we see in in some places and and it's it comes about through Scottish realism Ooh. Scottish common-sense realism Um, And it's, it's background information, not super important, but I thought I'd include it because some people like me like that stuff. But anyway, there's obstacles to the meeting. I think one of those is presuppositions and you guys kind of touched on it already. What are the presuppositions that we have about certain things as we try to interpret the biblical text. There are assumptions that are encoded in our brains just because of our background, our experience, yep, yep. the framework of our whole life mm-hmm. uh, ends up painting our interpretation, mm-hmm. right. or can in, in, end up uh, doing that. Another obstacle is the author. The ob- The author is uh, inherently removed from our culture. He's yep. in- inherently, uh, or she is inherently removed from our ability to uh, understand what their perspective was. Um, and so we have to account for that obstacle. Their thinking was different. Their literature was mm-hmm, different. Mm-hmm. Um, their schooling, their their profession was uh, mm-hmm. considerably different. Yep. We have the reader, ourselves, our own thinking kind of touching a little bit of presuppositions, but they bring uh, our own sort of meaning to different words, right? So, nice, when it first came about in the English language, it used to mean ignorance. Now it just means (laughs) kind or friendly, right? It just has a different meaning now. Another thing that is an obstacle to meaning is the medium, the mode of communication. Uh, This is, the Bible, it's a written document. It doesn't have voice inflection, it doesn't have facial expression, it doesn't have body language, and so that prohibits us from having uh, a lot of different communications. At one time, I think I read somewhere that nonverbal communication makes up 65 or more percent of what is being said, right? Another thing, well, if,
0: if Paul had recorded a video message for the Galatians, We'd have gotten more right. out more of finger the video, wrang- yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, and and we know that Paul re- recorded the message, like he he spoke the epistle to a scribe who wrote it down and sent it along. Right, but the scribe couldn't record. He was really angry here. <laughs> like that, that just wasn't yeah. in the in the parchment, which right. is an obstacle.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: It, well, it is, and, and the thing is, the other thing too is like you as you're getting getting the whole culture, you're all culture to culture to language to language to the language then to the language now, and everything that's had to go through to get it to get it to that point. So there's always going to be like, there were phrases that were used back then that were just common, it was just understood. This is what it was. And mm-hmm. Jesus was the master at telling stories. You know, he come out and says, "Hey guys, it's like planting seeds." You know, they all knew what it was, they all knew what it was, was. was and yet you talk to the average person here, well, I planted a seed once, it was a bean in a styrofoam cup in my kindergarten class, and that's all they got, you know, and that's as far as it goes. And so there's a sense of cultural contrast that comes into this in a huge way, and so this is where, you know, skillfully reading the scripture can, again, help us to apply that to other people using examples that make sense today, you know, it's like, and that's where, again, you've got to be very so careful to not you know, put meanings into it that are not there. But nevertheless, you have to, a skillful teacher has to, a skillful reader has to take those things and apply it to what we have today. And that is, uh, and that's, with the help of the Holy Spirit, that's certainly possible. And That's what we're talking about here doing that. 100%. Bible Literacy
0: is a production of Zion Fellowship, a life-giving, loving church in Canandaigua,
2: New York. For more information, please visit www.zionfellowship.net today.